0: Hey, hey, hey! Welcome back for another week. Uh, this one is going to be pretty quick and dirty. I'm not going to lie. In case I'm not talking about uh, language here, but just in in general, I don't know if you know anybody who watched my Instagram live. I finally finished that 60k for the month. I think it. Uh, came out to 60.12 kilometers so just barely past her but you know with the weather that we've been having right out here right now I you know I actually I had 5k remaining for the last four or five days and I just kept pushing it off and hoping in hopes that the rain would kind of let up a little bit well it didn't and then finally it came down to the last night and I you know, leaving it to the last second, I just had to run and it was brutal. <laughs> it was very wet, but uh, you know, I I can't complain. At least I got a got a dry roof to come to come back to here. I'm I'm actually staying at my parents' place because you know, if I want to get to work and and stay employed right now, I, I have no path back and forth for work. So, I'm staying on this side of the new or the maybe not the new, but the Refounded, Sumas Lake—that's in the middle of you know between my house and my my work, typically speaking. So, anyway, I'm out here. I'm extremely grateful and thankful to have a place to do this from to still work. I know a lot of people aren't nearly as fortunate right now. A lot of homes have been lost to the flooding. Uh, There's, you know, we're we're kind of hopefully coming to the end of this third. Atmospheric river, they call it. The these storms that that have just been ripping through here. So we're hopefully coming close to the end of this one, although we got two more days of heavy rain ahead of us. It looks like, and yeah, the the damage is just continuing to mount. the The cost, the uh, the number of people who've been displaced, you know, the number keeps continuing to mount. But one thing that has been really remarkable, especially I noticed it today, all over social media from the local pages, uh, but that you know, the community has really come together in regards to sandbagging and trying to save as many homes in these, now the, the areas that are on flood watch, the flood alert. Uh, it's been pretty amazing. Like, you know, the mayor was out there to, you know, the teenagers from the local BCHL hockey team, they were out there, you know, to little old ladies, like everybody was just outside working together for the greater good. And it's been pretty remarkable to watch, especially after that first kind of wave of, you know, panic and just people going nuts like we still have limits right now on fuel consumption as well as well fuel purchases anyway for your vehicles and you know like i don't think everything is fully restocked in grocery stores or whatever but we're we're making do right people the panic has kind of subsided a little bit which is nice people are starting to think a little bit more rationally again praise god so you know overall uh you know, the, (laughs) uh, the mother nature situation isn't looking too hot, but people seem to be coming together a lot better now, which is very, very, you know, uplifting. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm happy to see it. And anyway, so that's kind of enough of the overall situation here and why I'm again, not at home, kind of on the road, trying to figure things out here. At least, you know, (laughs) at least my wife and I, we, we met, we dated, we were married and I was still working out of town, so mind you we didn't have four kids at the time so it's a completely different animal from for her at the house right now but you know at least she's used to to the idea of me not being around all the time so you know these 5 day the work weeks are you know they're they're manageable anyway and i know there's a lot of people out there who have a, a lot worse a lot crazier schedules so i really have nothing to complain about but Anyway, so the one personal aspect that sucks about all this is I haven't had that physical aggression, that vent, that blow-off valve that I I find that I need because now with this flooding, you know, when I get home, I'm stuck there until, you know, one of the highways open up and I can take the multiple-hour drive that should normally take me 45 minutes anyway to come back onto this side of the, the newly formed lake, but uh, I haven't been able to get out to hockey for the last three weeks now and it is driving me insane <laughs> like you know maybe I should have switched up my mindset when it came to running found some way to make it more competitive against myself but I uh, it, it doesn't match to you know playing a contact sport getting out on the rink and you know just competing against people I love that it's a it's a good way to kind of like I said blow off some steam blow off some aggression get competitive for something. And it's uh, so that that I've been missing, I definitely feel some pent up (laughs) aggression, stress, whatever it is. I mean, I'm sure obviously the the flood and just everything going on nowadays doesn't doesn't help it much. But you know, whatever, it is what it is. And uh, hopefully I can let it out in this podcast a little bit. Now speaking of, you know, a blow off valve, (laughs) something to release some of the stress. Uh, This episode, you know, there's a few things have just been you know, bugging me. Uh, some stuff has been hitting pretty close to home recently with uh, some health issues in the family. So, a lot of this stuff is kind of just coming from personal shite that's kind of hitting the fan lately. And, you know, some of the stuff. All right. So, I'll just lay it all out. So, I recently, I've a my grandpa has been in the hospital, and it's you know it's pretty serious. I mean, he's an 86 year old man dealing with blood infections, multiple different bacterial in there. And so you know, as soon as, as soon as you hear that happened at 86, like that's, that's uh, a cause for concern, right? He was very weak, uh, you know, just a whole slew of different symptoms, and you know, like it was, it was stressful, obviously, right? It was stressful for the whole family. So what happens here, anyway? And this is just kind of getting into some of the hypocrisy of stuff going on right now. But when he was in the emergency wing of the hospital. The only rule if for that section of the hospital is you have to wear a mask. All right, perfectly fine. I have no problem at all with that. Right, so going in, uh, and it was one person at a time to visit him. Sure, again, fair enough. You know, so I can go up and visit him. We had a, I had a good hour long visit with him. It was it was great. Uh, so then after that, now he's been moved into a permanent room, and at this point now, in order to get into the rest of the hospital outside of emergency wing. Uh, you need to have a vaccine passport. Uh, you know, there is no clearances for having a negative rapid test, a negative PCR test, anything like that. So it's not actually screening for COVID at all. Nobody has to screen for it. Just if you have that green check mark, you're allowed in. Now, for me, I I didn't end up having to call the hotline. Like I saw him right before when he was in uh, emergency. And then I went home for the weekend. And then in coming back out, you know, at this point, my a couple of my siblings, my sisters had, you know, tried to go see him, they didn't realize that these rules were in place, they didn't, they didn't know. So they went up to the hospital were confronted and said, oh, sorry, you can't see him now. He's in a different wing of the hospital. So they, you know, they asked for phone numbers, they asked for, you know, who they could take it up the, the chain of command, just to kind of get an answer to see if, you know, like, what are the rules here. And basically, the way that the rules were broken down, was that they said, yeah, that's that's our policy. Uh, And again, that was quoted a number of times over apparently was this is our policy, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, And then basically, what was said is that if he gets terminal, if he moves, if his condition worsens significantly, then you will be allowed to see him regardless of vaccination status, which, again, you know, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. And also that that Determination of what constitutes getting worse is completely arbitrary, and it's left up to the attending physician, from what I can tell, to the nurses, to whoever really is in charge and is overseeing his case. Now, where that comes into an issue, and you know what the the argument that my sister's brought up was that, well, you know, what does this classify as? Like, is it when he loses consciousness? Is if he if he goes into a coma? Like, then we're allowed to see him when he's unconscious. We can't actually have a face-to-face discussion or, you know, a, a visiting with him. And they said, you know, again, sorry, that's our policy. It's out of our hands. We'll contact you if if his condition worsens. And this is crazy, right? Because, again, like I'm allowed in the other wing of the hospital or they're allowed in the other wing of the hospital being unvaccinated. But, and they, my one sister had, uh, <laughs> you know, she had an up-to-date PCR test from, I think, her symptom or her, sorry, her, uh, that whatever her clear bill of health came in less than 24 hours previous to that, but that wasn't accepted. My other sister said, I'll take a rapid test, whatever it takes. I I can come in here and I can, I can prove that I'm healthy, that I don't have it. And they said, no, it doesn't matter. And she, so she brought up the same question of, well, you know, how do you know that these vaccinated people coming in aren't carrying COVID? She said, well, you know, that's just policy. There's nothing I can do. And like, you know, it's to me, it is crazy. Like I was in in the emergency room. And in the emergency room, they've got this little broom closet with a couple of windows. That's titled COVID or suspected COVID or something like that. So you know, that we can probably fit six people in there. I don't know how many people are coming into emergency with COVID right now, I would imagine uh, there's more than the six that are able to fit into this little broom closet. And so you know, I'm, in there in the waiting room with COVID, like nobody in there is, it needs to be, you know, vaccinated. There's nothing like that wing of the hospital you're allowed to be in, probably the most dangerous, I would imagine. And I would be fine, like submitting any kind of a clean test, PCR test, rapid test, whatever it is to go visit, you know, somebody else in hospital. But it's just policy. That's the way it goes. There's, and again, there's no rhyme or reason to it because it's been proven now that vaccinated people can carry the disease the same way that unvaccinated can, you know, maybe there's a minor discrepancy in the viral loading in your throat or whatever it is. But the fact of the matter is that if you're not testing anybody, you're just allowing vaccinated people in based off of this green check mark, you're not doing anything to prevent COVID from coming into the hospital. And that that to me is just, it doesn't make any sense. It's nonsensical in any in any way, like it just seems... It seems hypocritical if the idea is to keep COVID out of the hospital, but not actually screening anybody for COVID. So anyway, that was one thing that kind of just hit home. It's driving me crazy. And then another hypocrisy with all this shite going on right now is, you know, with Omicron coming in, well, we know that the government of Canada only allows so international travelers coming in are required to be vaccinated. Now, Canadian travelers, if you're unvaccinated, but you are a citizen and you're coming back to the country, you're allowed to come in, you need to submit to a test as well as an isolation until your test comes in. Actually, it may even be, I should have checked this, but it may actually just be a mandatory 14 day quarantine regardless. I I have a feeling though, that it'll just be a clearance. But anyway, so you do have to quarantine regardless for a little bit uh, and possibly for up to two weeks. Anyway, if you're unvaccinated now, if you're vaccinated coming in back in as a Canadian or as any international, if you have a valid vaccine, it's kind of like when they would just randomly screen or x ray your back your uh, your person when you go through the stand up x ray, like it's just a random selection, right? Although, actually, I used to get flagged all the time. This is a an offshoot, but when I worked in the mine, one time, you know, we were working with within close proximity of explosives, and I had I had my laptop down at my my uh, my mine site, my office there. So there were explosives being loaded in and out. I would help load them into the into the big bunker there a few times and so anyway one of the times coming back through the airport my (laughs) my laptop swiped for explosives and so that was a a big ordeal and you know it didn't help that I had like a danger explosive sticker on my laptop because I just thought it was cool and you know all these different uh titan dino nobel all these different uh explosive explosive companies anyway so I was flagged for it felt like probably five years, I think, going through an airport. Every single time I'd go through there, I would get everything swiped down and I would get the full stand-up x-ray. And I used to fly every two weeks in and out for work. So, <laughs> But then it also extended to, you know, I, I know I flew on a few trips during that time too. And every every time, it didn't matter, there must have been a note attached to my account because anytime I would fly anywhere, it was a full body scan and a full swipe of everything in my bag just for you know, well, it was obviously my fault. I had a bit of explosives on my laptop at one point. So anyway, so that's a, a long offshoot. But what I was getting at is that it's like that screening, when you're coming back into the country, if you're vaccinated, you it's a lottery system. So you know, I don't know what percentage of people it is. Um, is. Let's say, if it's anything like the x ray is probably one in every 10 people, 10 to 15 people, whatever it is. So Let's maybe it's more than that. I don't know. You know, that's maybe that's on the low side. I have no idea. But anyway, that's the way it goes. Like, it's just random screenings. And so, again, like this idea of, you know, we, we had all this news today and yesterday about this new Omicron variant coming variant coming into Canada. We had our first first test in BC today. And lo and behold, it was by a Fraser healthcare care worker who was attending something in Nigeria. So obviously fully vaccinated. And, you know, I've had a I've had discussions regarding this. And like, believe me, everybody listening to this knows that if that got brought in by an unvaccinated traveler, that would be front page news, that would be the header of all these stories about Omicron, it wouldn't be that ooh it's shown up in a few spots, we have a few cases, it would be unvaccinated traveler is responsible for bringing Omicron into Canada, that would be the front page story. Well, it's not. And that's, you know, it's telling again the one case in BC so far. There's obviously more and there's going to be more, but the one case was brought in by a Fraser healthcare worker and obviously fully vaccinated coming back from Nigeria. Now, this somehow, somehow again, is being spun on the unvaccinated people and now further restrictions on unvaccinated, which again, the hypocrisy here is nuts, because we know that, okay, so again, with only the only people who are unvaccinated allowed to land in Canada are Canadian citizens, permanent residents. And so let's say I can't imagine how many of them are still out of the country, or were able to get out of the country and are now coming back, let's say a conservative number, the incoming people to Canada, so that's all the internationals, and the Canadian citizens coming back, let's say conservatively, that 90% of them, are vaccinated. You know, I would bet that that number is higher than that probably 95 96% of people coming in are fully vaccinated, especially considering all internationals require it, right? So let's say 90% though. <laughs> How can you blame this on unvaccinated people when unvaccinated people by and large are not allowed to travel? It makes no sense. It's a, It's again, it's, it's nonsensical. It doesn't it's starting to get frustrating at this point, right? Like I'm running out of words to to describe my feelings on it rather than just going on an expletive filled rant. Like it, I just, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy to think about, and it's crazy to try to wrap your head around how this is somehow people who have been locked within the country, you know, I mean, we're even landlocked like luckily with the floods going on, actually one of the only routes around right now is through the States. And then you have to come back up out East. Now, some people are allowed or have been allowed to cross the border and come back in being unvaccinated based on this emergency right now. But by and large, you know, nobody who is unvaccinated is leaving the country. Nobody is coming back in with COVID. You know, that's being brought in and out and it's being transmiss- trans, what? Transmissioned? No, I'm, I'm losing my mind here tonight, but it's being transferred around the world by vaccinated travelers. But, you know, that somehow, and, then, you know, Moderna comes out today saying that they don't expect their their vaccine to be very effective against Omicron. Uh, okay. Like, I, I just, I don't understand. I'm starting to, I'm not starting to, I've already well lost my mind with this stuff. But it's just this, this hypocrisy of somehow locking down and blaming unvaccinated Canadians who have been, you know, shut in the country. And then all of a sudden, this variant that comes out of a different part of the world lands in Canada, and it's somehow going to be blamed and lead to more lockdowns of unvaccinated people when, clearly, if one of the big manufacturers is saying that their vi- or their vaccine isn't going to do much of anything against Omicron, well, I can't imagine the other ones are either, because considering that they were all geared to the same first strain, they had leaky vaccine coverage of... You know, Delta. What what are they going to do with the next one? With the next variant, it's going to be the same, or as they're calling for, it may be worse. So this, all of this hypocrisy surrounding this. And again, I'm not. Look, I'm not anti-vax. I've had every other vaccine. My kids have had every other vaccine. Like that's not the case here. And I'm also not saying to anybody not to get it. I, I do not care. That's everybody's personal choice. Go for it. Get it. All that I'm saying is like this hypocrisy in the coverage of it and th- kind of the the holes in the thinking, like where it doesn't actually lead to a blockage of COVID. It just matters about that green check mark, that that check on your vax pass. That's it. You know, none, like again, with the hospital, none of it was set up to prevent COVID from coming in. It was just strictly to prevent unvaccinated people from coming in and somehow equating that unvaccinated equals infected, which it doesn't or somehow equating that vaccinated means impossible to infect, which we now know is also completely false. So none of this stuff makes sense anymore. Like having these having these lockdowns, it it really, it doesn't make sense. And again, I'm not telling anybody not to do anything with their body or to do anything with their body. That's not my, my place at all. All I'm trying to point out is some of the hypocrisy and the craziness that's going on here. So, and again, so this last one, and this one has been brought up multiple times it's it's one of the most frustrating aspects to me you know like in doing this challenge like i do I, I hate running but i love physical activity i love doing something again usually it's hockey or it was the gym for a long time not so much anymore for obvious reasons but you know i love pushing my body staying in somewhat decent shape and just you know being capable i like keeping my body capable that's my ideal goal and so the hypocrisy here that I've been hearing is, and ironically, most of it's been levied by this, you know, guy in one of the the hockey chats that I talked talk to, but, you know, saying that I'm going to somehow cost the medical system by not being vaccinated, right? Because in Canada here anyway, and I don't know what the numbers are, I don't know how they average this out, but obviously if you take all the ICUs, all the different hospitalizations, the average is it's going to cost the medical system about $50,000 per COVID patient, apparently, I think that's how it is, or it's per per person who gets sent up into the ICU. I'm not 100% sure. Either way, I'm working off the factor of $50,000 per COVID infection if you're hospitalized. So now the, the hypocrisy of all this is that now saying somehow, you know, somebody like myself, who I do try to take pride in being physically active, staying in some level of fitness, that, you know, all of a sudden now the only thing that matters, the only thing that'll, you know, save the medical system money and that'll keep me healthy is taking this this vaccine shot, this gene therapy shot, right? That's the only way that I can be healthy and that I can lower the toll and the expense on the medical system. Meanwhile, disregarding the fact that for the past 32 years, I've lived a relatively healthy lifestyle, I try to maintain that I try to upkeep that level of fitness and just being a healthy human, like I I enjoy life, I like being capable of doing whatever it is that's out there, right. And so that is somehow discounted. And you know, now I'm looked at as this unhealthy plague rat, because I choose not to take this shot, right. Again, completely disregarding the fact that maybe later in life, they're going to be in there for uh, diabetes, they're going to be in there for heart failure, they're going to be in there for whatever organ failure or hip transplants, or hip replacements, knee replacements, whatever the case may be that all these things are associated to poor diet, uh, you know, low physical rate, physical activity rates, like all this stuff, all these other things, none of this stuff matters anymore, because none of this is an immediate impact on the medical system or... None of it is, you know, has become a talking point in society. Well, again, I can guarantee you, well, I can't guarantee, okay, that's a lie, that's not true, but I could estimate, fairly accurately, I think, that, you know, I'm going to, in the long term, cost the medical system less money, you know, by just the lifestyle that I have lived to this point, by the lifestyle I plan on living, you know, of course there's accidents, there's horrific tragedies that happens in people's lives. And who knows what could happen, I could get hit by a car and be stuck in a coma for the next six months, you know, knock on wood, where is some, you know, that could happen. But I don't plan on it, there's no way to plan on that. And so you just try to live the life as healthily and as actively as you can, right? I've been trying to take care of my body. So that's I mean, that's the part of the hypocrisy that really has been driving me nuts the longest is that somehow you're only considered healthy, you're only looking out for the medical system and for your own health. If you get the shot, you know, disregard your eating habits, your dietary supplements, your vitamin intake, disregard all of that, it all comes down to this shot, this, this gene therapy. And so that, again, that's the hypocrisy talking, it's, it's mind boggling to me, right? Uh, sorry, that, uh, that went on a lot longer than I meant it to or thought it would. Um, But anyway, coming back to this, this idea of just following protocol, uh, that my sisters specifically ran into in talking to the different nurses, the, uh, you know, they talked to the general manager of the area, or maybe it wasn't the general manager. Anyway, they talked to the manager of the floor. And this is what kept being repeated to them is just that, you know, it's policy. I'm sorry, you know, and they she even agreed when it came to not screening any vaccinated people for, you know, uh, for COVID. It didn't really make a ton of sense or the fact that, you know, my sister's negative COVID test uh, didn't allow her entry either. You know, there was a little bit of a like, You know, my sister said that the nurse did sound perplexed a little bit and did express sympathy regarding that. So that I mean, that's good to hear. But, but the idea that the other thing that I want to talk about talk about and really it was the main thing was, you know, uh, leadership, for example. Because to me, and and you know, everybody can be a leader. Like you don't have to be in the top dog position, the CEO or a general manager or even a manager at your job to be a leader, right? Like that's it doesn't take that to be a leader you, you it, it's not necessarily a title specific thing you can lead your family you can lead you know your friends you can lead even your coworkers, even if you aren't you know above them maybe you're you know in the in the company hierarchy but maybe you're maybe you're more I don't know you have more experience whatever the case may be like you can help guide people lead people so this doesn't this doesn't spe- specify to your job title but What I was going to say here is, you know, this this whole I'm just following protocol, it's been destroyed as a legal basis in history. And, you know, it's a great crutch to anybody denying like your basic moral obligations, you know, especially in the face of utter idiocracy, like in this specific case. And again, like I, you know, I know I'm harping and complaining quite a bit this week, but this is almost like an airing of grievances episode, Like I said, I need a physical outlet. I need something competitive to kind of blow off steam. And so this week, I'm just putting it into the podcast. So sorry. But this whole idea of, you know, I'm just following protocol. Like, to me, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, the, the provincial health order isn't the one that's barring me from seeing my sick family member, my sick, extremely elderly family member. It's you, you know, this is your call. You could... Tell me, oh, no, that's all right. Submit your negative COVID test. Let me look at it. And you're good to go. You're good to see him. Just stay masked up, do whatever, whatever other safety protocol they want, you know. And that is something to keep in mind at any level of anything, you know, like what's something that I've thought about before that, or that I've seen even, you know, even at McDonald's or Tim Hortons or something where somebody's getting coffee and some guy comes up and he's five cents short on his change or whatever. And you know how many times you just see and I've actually seen it both ways, but some ways where the person working the till will take the coffee back and they say, no, sorry, you don't have enough. Here's your change back. But then other times people are like, "Ah, you know what? Don't worry about it. You know, just take it. Have a good day. And, you know, like that little (laughs) it's those little things, right? Those little things where you're willing to step out of the protocol, if you want to call it that, and just say, you know what? yeah, this is all right. Go for it. Go for it. You can make that decision. You know, you don't have to go up to up the chain of command to every single level. And then say, you know, is this okay? Can I do it this time? Like, sometimes you're that you're that final, you know, you're that you're the blockade, you're the blockage, you're the person who actually gets to make the decision. It doesn't you can't just pass the buck on up the chain of command. It doesn't work that way. Like, and again, I know that I may be making a hyperbolic comparison here, but with the Nuremberg trials following World War II, like, this was blown apart that I was just following orders. Like, no, you had a moral obligation as a human being to say no at some point, to say no at any of these different points. Like, you can't just say that I was following orders and that's that's no longer a defensible position. And that's something that, again, I don't... I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but, you know, w- stuff like that, there there are comparisons to me anyway, as far as, because I'm obsessed with history, I like reading about World War II history, anything in the 20th century is fascinating to me, and to see certain cycles seeming to be repeated in some areas, it's just, you know, it's it's wild to me, but anyway, so that's that's the one thing, another thing is like, you know, I even look at, on a federal level, you know, leaders should be able to communicate. Um, For example, Trudy, Trudeau in our country. I don't think, and, you know, I I just think of it on smaller scales, so I understand that a country is much different. But on smaller scales, mandates have never worked. Uh, You know, impositions, imposing your will on people has never worked. That's not how a good job works. That's not how a good project goes you know, you can't you can't impose your will on people. Again, when I'm at work, I'm not I'm not telling a guy like I will let him know of the code rules, like the things that we have to kind of work within our parameters. But other than that, like, I'm not going to tell you exactly how you have to pull something, you don't have to do this task the exact same way I do it, like as far as pulling cables in certain sequences or whatever, or, you know, the way you do connections, whatever the case may be, like, I'm not here to impose my will on you. I'm here to show you how it's done, recommend a way to do it. But ultimately, like you're a human being, you bring something else to the table and you know the way you're gonna do it, the way you're most comfortable doing it, you know? And that's, as a leader, otherwise, if I'm stuck in the mud, I'm trying to impose my will on somebody, you know, all it does is it slows down the whole job. It creates animosity. There's distrust. Like, you know, if I if I don't trust a co worker or, you know, a subordinate to do the job pr- properly, but he can do it in his own way. Then you know, that's just sowing distrust between us too. Because if I don't trust him to do a task, you know, that's just going to grow animosity between us. And it's it's a not a good working relationship. Well, it's the same way now with everything like you see these divisions getting deeper and deeper and deeper in society. And it's all coming down from a the way Trudy talks, you know, to the general population of Canada, specifically anybody who's unvaccinated, like you can really hear the vitriol in his voice and just in his wording and the way everything is going, right. And this division is going deep, like deep, deep, which is, you know, it's frustrating, it's sad, it's disheartening to watch, like, you know, even within families, like we're trying to plan Christmas dinners. And, you know, there's, uh, there's definitely some fracturing going on between the extended family and I you know I don't know like to me at this point I'm I'm rather pessimistic that those relationships will ever be rebuilt and I think again like I I'm not trying to you know view this upcoming christmas dinner as some doomsday or powder keg but there's this real feeling that <sighs> That, uh, you know, something could blow up there. Like, it's just, there's tensions, right? And if somebody brings something up, it could blow up. And I'm, it's not going to be me. I'm going to talk to, you know, all of my siblings, to my family and tell them just smile, nod your head, give them a thumbs up if you want to, but don't engage on anything because it's not worth it. You know, again, I don't know how many more Christmases my grandpa's got left. Sorry, this episode has turned into a freaking verbal diary, which I did not, Mean it to be that wasn't verbal diarrhea, although it is that as well. Again, I just haven't had. Uh, <laughs> it's been like three or four weeks now, but I just haven't had uh, a spot to really write to get things set up. And now with with being displaced and staying at my parents' place and all this other shite, it's uh, it's just I haven't been able to to really plan or read or do my normal thing that I had been able to upkeep for the last year plus. So I'm sorry, this week is more of just a vent, a bit of a release valve for everything that's been going on. But uh, so going back here, so again, like this division that has been sowed right from the tippity top in Canada, it's getting deep and it's starting to entrench. Like, again, I don't know if these relationships with extended family are ever going to be repaired or ever going to fix themselves. I'm more and more pessimistic of that. And so the other thing here with leadership is, and this isn't just leadership like this can be within families, this can be just between any relationships that you've got, is that you've got to take different views into account, like, you know, <laughs> disregarding hardcore ideology with anything like I, I've, that's one thing, obviously, that I've been pretty obsessed with in reading this, you know, the Black Book of Communism, just other things is just the, the treachery and the just the danger associated with hardcore ideology and of, Splitting people into us versus them, and you know, everything is a binary, everything is black and white, good and evil, and there's no gray anywhere. And I mean, let's face it, there is so much gray when it comes to life, when it comes to relationships, it comes to just about anything like there is gray in every aspect of life, and we need to realize that. And you know, not everybody's just good or evil. I have mentioned it so many times but you know Solzhenitsyn's quote about how the line between good and evil runs through the heart of every man that's paraphrased I don't think I got it 100% correct but the gist is there you know so you can you can never do that you can never just completely <laughs> look at it all through a binary lens of good and evil it, it doesn't work you got to even look inward and realize you know the parts that are pretty crappy about you that are, you know, maybe inherently evil about you that you've got to keep under under wraps and, you know, keep in check. And anyway, it's, it's just frustrating. So none of that, none of that has any place either in work. And I've related this back to working at the mine where I may have had differences of opinion, you know, whether it be political, moral, whatever, we just we had different values, different value systems, but we still had to work together towards a common goal. You know, you can't have that, you can't segregate your workforce, you can't segregate your population based on that, you're still trying to work towards a greater good. And then, again, at, at the mine, it was trying to build the mine, trying to advance the underground workings. And it didn't matter what anybody believed, what your political leanings were, what you valued in life, what what your religion was, whatever it was, it did not matter. Because we had a goal, we could put everything aside, we could cooperate, we could work together to move forward with that common goal, to to find some common ground and there, bond around that. That was it. And we've lost that. <laughs> like seriously we've lost that, from what I can tell. I you know, there's some spots that are still upkeeping it a little bit. And, you know, look, I'm also pretty aware that I could be following into a little bit of or falling into a little bit of confirmation bias when it comes to just sources that I'm reading, opinions that I'm seeing. Cause I mean <sighs> Yeah, I mean, actually, I think it was. Yeah, Rogan just had Tristan Harris on, who uh, is of the. Oh, the Social Dilemma fame. He is one of the guys involved in that. And so, you know, th- this kind of got me thinking about that. But it's something I'm going to kind of look into, try to make sure that I'm not being swayed too much that way in one direction. But again, it's really hard to avoid. It's. Uh, it's tough to notice sometimes that falling into that confirmation ballot bias, but it's something I'm going to try to analyze in my own life. Anyway, that's uh yeah, so leadership taking different views into account and really trying to work together for a common goal. There is no room for ideology or differences there. Like you you've got to work with everybody. You've got to realize that people are going to value different things, they're going to have different opinions. But that's fine, you can still find common ground and common goals to work towards. And that's, you know, whatever that may be. And what's interesting, now, again, like, in facing this adversity, like, especially when it comes to the vaccine passport, again, there's, there's a lot of gray area, like I, you know what, I, again, if anybody wants it to, they take it for their personal health, or because they really do believe that this is the best thing I have zero problem with that at all. Like, I just think everybody should have that opinion or everybody should have that choice. And uh, to me, like, again, you can do whatever you want with your own body. Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. It's where I have a problem is if it's imposed on anybody else. Now, kind of the further you go into this, the more I don't know, it's uh, I don't want to call it. Courage because it sounds self serving, and I don't mean that to be the case at all. Because I don't, again, I've talked about it before. Maybe I'm in the most cowardly position possible while everybody taking this vaccine is getting us closer to herd immunity while I'm sitting on the sidelines. Because you know, for whatever, for my own personal reasons, I just I'm not taking it, and again, that has to do with having gotten COVID. So I'm not, again, anyway, my own personal reasons, but maybe I'm taking the cowardly way out by just sitting on the sidelines and letting everybody else get to that herd immunity, which again, that number keeps moving up to from 70% to 80%. Now, I think it's at 90%. You know, in, in another couple months, it'll be at 100%. We all know this. So anyway, um, but, you know, there, I'm starting to see, you do see where people's belief systems kind of are on this, right? Like where the people who really do believe in the idea of bodily autonomy, which is kind of my core anchoring belief, I think, in all of this, Uh, that that's what I can determine anyway, up to this point. But, you know, and then there's, but again, there's gray areas, because I can understand people when they're faced with adversity, when they're going to lose their job, if they don't do this, I can understand that mentality and that stress, if you're trying to you know, provide for your family, and you can't unless you comply with this. Like that's something that I have a lot of sympathy for what I what I am (laughs) what I find infuriating. And I had this discussion actually on a job a couple weeks ago. Now, there's a guy who was pretty, pretty outspoken before uh, about the vaccine and about the mandates, all this stuff. And you know, we kind of we would talk about it a little bit peripherally at work. He was, uh, he's a different trade than I but we would we meet up on jobs every once in a while so you know we were just talking i said oh you know have you have you been asked much at clients houses about your vaccine status or whatever he's like oh you know not too much anymore but uh i did get vaccinated because you know i wanted to go to concerts with my friends and they were bugging me about it that i wouldn't i'd be the only one not able to go to concerts and (laughs) like i've got other friends um who got it because they want to go to a bar or they want to go to a club or, you know, whatever that case may be. And to me, that's, that's a joke. Like, that's just crumbling. You know, that... To me, you don't have any principles at that point, right? Like, if that's if that's the straw that's going to break your back over this, that's pathetic. Like, again, if you're doing it for your health purposes, you do think it's the best thing for anybody, all the power to you. But if you, if you have openly talked about or if you do believe that nobody should be able to tell you what you do with your body but then it's like ooh but at the same time I really want to have that pint with buddies or ah, uh, yeah but my favorite band is coming through town like it, it's a joke it is a it's a joke and anyway like even with like <laughs> you know what drives me nuts is seeing on the calendar all the time all these different comedians coming through because my wife and I we tend to go to a lot of stand up shows, like especially any of the big comedians coming through, or we even see, you know, some of the smaller ones, local ones, but uh not being able to go to comedy shows has really uh, been a kick in the beats for the last, again, you know, 18 months, but it's really ramped up the last six to eight months as, you know, as the restrictions shifted only to the unvaccinated. So, that's been tough, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. And again, uh, not being able to go into this wing to see my grandpa has been tough. Like, luckily, what kind of alleviated that is finding out that he is starting to improve. He is going to be released in a few days. So that kind of took a lot of that pressure off. But um yeah, it's... uh There's sacrifices to be made, right? And, you know, I can see that in people around me, people I, d- I talk with, like, you know, these people... That's the other thing to keep in mind. Like, if you just think that they're idiots who are just, you know, doing this for selfish reasons, like, I would encourage you to actually talk to anybody and to to talk about, you know, what they're giving up, what they, you know, the things that they miss out on and why, why they believe it, because I, I don't think... Uh, And again, like, you know, in talking to people who are vaccinated, I get along perfectly well with 99% of them. It's just the ones who then go off on a rant about how requiring it for everybody, it should be mandated. That's that's my only sticking point. But if you get vaccinated because you are carrying one of those comorbidities or you're worried about, you know, somebody in your household catching it or whatever the case may be, I get it. Like, I get it. If you that's 100%, I understand that. It's just, you know just understand why some people may not want to at the same time. So, sorry, this episode, (coughs) excuse me, has been entirely a diary, pretty much. So, I apologize to any of you guys, especially you new listeners. Maybe listen back a few episodes, although, you know, lately, uh, COVID's been in and around a lot of these. So, anyway, um, yeah, thanks for listening this week. It's been a weird one. Again, I hope to get everything kind of settled down with this flooding dissipates a little bit I've almost got my office redone and ready at the house so but because of this stuff I haven't been able to work on it every night so it's almost done though and then I everything can go back to normal and I can feel like a a somewhat normal amateur podcaster again at least I'll have my my home space set up Uh, so last notes here was, you know, anything with any of these extremes, and I think, you know, we see it more in the states, right? Because it's a little bit more, I don't know, the the politics seems to be ramped up a little bit, but this this snapback of a, of political extremes, like, it's so evident. It's so evident anytime anything starts to really swing one direction, like either it goes fully overboard or it snaps back with a vengeance. So keep that all in mind too, you know, especially this argument around, you know bodily autonomy, and if you want to pass laws regarding that, and you know saying that, you know you can be told what goes in your body or you know what you can do with your body, uh, these the the political kind of arena can snap back real fast as a kind of counter reaction or an overreaction to what has happened. And you know you look back to I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember seeing this news article about. Uh, some trucker that won against the incumbent Democratic mayor, maybe or governor. I think was in the state of New Jersey. Honestly, I I didn't pay that close attention to it, but you know, for a trucker who spent something like less than two hundred dollars on his campaign to blow out of the water the incumbent, you know, lifetime career politician. Stuff like that alone is kind of an example of what I'm talking about, like where. Even if, even if it's not the more um, politically educated opinion, or maybe the you know maybe they're not he's not as qualified you know being a trucker. Although he's going to know what it's like for average people, and I would I would love it if more tradespeople, definitely not myself, but if tradespeople or people from all different walks of life, rather than just career politicians, would enter the political arena, because again, this should be the case of a political servant I don't think this should be a career move where you end up being worth millions and millions of dollars by the end of your your tenure where you know your annual salary was 400 grand or whatever every year it's just it's mind-boggling to me and all this again talking about money and political dirt and all this stuff is all, (laughs) while this, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, trial is going on that, you know, the details are apparently too sensitive to release, but her, of course, being of the Epstein fame, Epstein who killed himself, um, anyway, it's, the world's crazy, it's, uh, it's definitely entertaining at times, uh, again, sorry for this week, it's just, things just, they pile up, right? And if, without without a proper blow-off valve, it's, I don't know where else to put it, so I'm spewing out here on the airwaves, and uh, again, things have kind of come back normal. I had a really, really good listener request for a podcast episode, one that's got me thinking uh, quite a bit, but it's regarding uh, the kind of the rise of, uh, what would it be called? Kind of, not just CGI, but kind of living in a digital world, uh, the idea of like the metaverse or whatever, where it's your life is more online and in the digital world rather than reality. And what kind of implications that will have. And that's something that I've started to try to read up on. I'm finding articles and I do find that idea fascinating with all the pitfalls and, you know, different things that could happen with that. So Anyway, thank you very much. I I love the political, or not the political, sorry, the listener submissions. I love it. Uh, that's one that I would definitely like to cover. If I can, I'm going to try to have the same listener on to just discuss it because I, I love talking to people. If not, I'll I'll do a solo one, I, but I'm going to put some more research into it. I think it's a fascinating topic and one that, you know, would be interesting to people. So, Anyway, that's it for me this week, guys. Uh, Thank you very much. Hopefully, uh, I keep saying this, but hopefully next week is a little bit more back to normal. See ya. All right, everyone, that's it for today. I hope you found some value in this week's episode. If you did and are interested in more content like this, please rate, review, subscribe, and recommend the podcast to a friend. I really appreciate all the feedback you've given me to this point and look forward to hearing you again. As always, the podcast page is The Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook, at Jacket Plaid on Twitter, and at Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Instagram. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support, and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you all again soon.